1: The unofficial 40. Eddie Rudosovich joined alongside Josh McQuestion as well as Bob Prisbillow. Gentlemen, good evening. It has been a tremendous day for the Oklahoma football program as they pick up uh, what was, I guess in a way, uh, has been the worst kept secret out there of all time. Caleb Williams officially committing to Oklahoma, uh, the highest ranked commitment since Adrian Peterson in 2004. And guys, I guess this is just kind of the, uh, the culmination of uh a quite a few months leading down this road just your overall thoughts now that it is officially official Caleb Williams is an Oklahoma Sooner
0: you know I don't know about for Bob but for me this is it's such a strange feeling because you're talking about the number three player in the country this is a huge deal at the game's most premier position all these things I mean this should be everything but there is a feeling of where you're like you know, we knew this was coming. It's here now, but it really is. I mean, like you want to move past that and focus on what Oklahoma is getting here. And, you know, when I've looked at him and watched Caleb on tape, this is a guy that really in a lot of ways combines a lot of the best traits of Oklahoma's three previous Heisman finalists and, you know, two Heisman winners in that group. You know, you've got the ad-lib creativity of Baker Mayfield. You've got that just scary athleticism of Kyler Murray. And at the same time, would you have that big, you know, more athletic type like a Jalen Hurts. I mean, Caleb is much closer to physically being Jalen than he is Kyler, but he has that explosive you know, running ability that Kyler brought to the table. So this is a huge deal for Oklahoma. And I, you know, for me just being, I, I think, you know, it's safe to say kind of the football nerd of the podcast. Um, it, I can't wait to see what Lincoln Riley chooses to do with Kayla Williams, how he builds this around him. Uh, it,
2: it, it's interesting because we all know it's the worst kept secret, right? But when it that long you almost start to wonder if there's going to be a hiccup if something's going to go wrong and instead it went off as planned and as much as maybe people were hoping for even more things to get this to go as when it was like four months in the making that says a lot because we can go back 22nd eyes; those were caleb williams March 23rd, he released the top five. I remember telling you guys, is he going to commit through his blog tomorrow? Is is that how he's going to do it? And, of course, that didn't end, ended up uh, being the case. But when you can go that long and still keep your plans intact and then do all the sort of work behind the scenes that we know he's done, you know, this is a huge win. And now we kind of see how good, how big this class can really get.
1: And, of course, the fireworks, uh, you know, I think that have been hinted at uh, for the Fourth of July weekend has always uh, been something bigger than Caleb Williams. And that is, uh, uh, of course, the case, as everybody knows now, Latrell McCutcheon has joined the Oklahoma class as well. And, you know, I, I think that in a way, Josh, this is one of those wins for Oklahoma on the defensive side of the football that uh, you can really start pointing towards maybe they're turning the corner.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and that's what sticks out to me about this. It's not just – Okay, you landed a guy in Austin. You landed a guy that's a top 100 player. This is a guy, I mean, for people that are listening at home, go look at his offer list. I mean, you're talking Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Florida, LSU, all the guys that we all say, you know, that get to have the DBU arguments. They are all there, and they all wanted this guy. And Oklahoma, led by Roy Manning, and really, there's a lot of times when you can say, oh, there's a lot of, lot of people that had an impact on this, and that's true in McCutcheon's case. But when you talk to him about the the thing that really sold him on Oklahoma, he talked about his relationship with Roy Manning and how key that was, and just feeling like Roy Manning cared about him as a person, and they developed a relationship that was a lot more than just player coach. And I so I think you have to you know really give a lot of credit. And I think Eddie, you're dead on. This could be a moment that three or four years from now we look back and say yeah, you know, everybody was talking about Caleb Williams, but this may be the moment when defensive players, particularly in the state of Texas, started to say, I don't have to go, you know, I don't have to leave the conference that's most affiliated with my state. I could stay right here, play in the Big 12, play two or three home games a year in my home state, or not home games, but, you know, play games in my home state, let my family see them, and I, I can do that all at Oklahoma and compete, you know, in the playoffs for national titles. So, it's gonna. I mean, like, we don't know. You don't want to make too much of one commitment, but this could be something that Oklahoma really uses to their advantage to go recruit other elite defensive guys. Yeah, you know, and I, I
1: am. I, I, uh, I am
2: gonna make too much of it because I think these are the type of battles they don't win three, four years ago, and we talked about that defensive line with like Perry on Winfrey and Ronnie Perkins, and now when you put Bryce in Washington last year you put Latrell McCutcheon for this this year's class, when you start winning those battles, you had no business winning, then you see the product change on the field, and then all of a sudden you become a legitimate target for every single person and not just every single top offensive recruit in the country. You start producing at a high level with what Alex Grinch is looking to do, and because you're winning these battles, all of a sudden anyone that has a – Ou offer is a legitimately in play, and that's how quickly things can change. So I maybe I'm over I'm overreaching, maybe, but I feel like because a Alabama commit, this isn't like someone that OU just kind of fell into their lap as like a Plan B, Plan C type type of target. This is the best of the best, and it's sort of interesting that. Lincoln Rollins was able to get Caleb Williams and McCutcheon on campus before the coronavirus really took hold of the entire nation. I was able to get them in that first week of March, and who knows just how big getting those guys in that one final time really ended up playing throughout this process.
1: I think the most logical question is for for most fans out there now is is what is next? Uh, You talk about... Caleb Williams and Latrell McCutcheon being in. And, you know, I I think that everybody uh, is kind of sitting there wanting more. Uh, Where do they go from here? How do you build off such a big weekend?
0: Well, you know, I think you've got to look at the guys. I mean, because we've all talked about it forever on the podcast. What is Caleb Williams going to bring to the table as a recruiter? Well, you've got all these guys where you talk about, you know, Emeka Ibuka, Jalil Farouk, Kelvin Gilliam, Tristan Lee, all these elite guys that Oklahoma has really been involved with, but maybe I would say other than probably Farouk, has never really felt like a leader for. Well, that can change now. I mean, now Caleb Williams is out there. He can publicly be involved with this. He can really try You know, I'm going to rally all the OU fans that follow me. You know, whatever it may be, however he comes at this. But Speaking, you know, I had a chance to speak with his coach, and we'll have a story on that um, in the very near future. But it is interesting to hear him talk, because the first thing he talked about with Caleb was how engaging he is, how well he relates to the players around him. He's done it since he was a sophomore at Gonzaga, when he was the young guy on a team that ended up winning a a championship on a Hail Mary throw from Caleb Williams. So there are um, a, a lot of interesting things there And I think he is a guy that is not going to be one of the players that we say, man, it seemed like he was making a lot of connections. It seemed like things were happening there. This is a guy that legitimately could bring in some recruits that OU wasn't going to get otherwise.
2: You know, go ahead, Bob. yeah, and now we can stop talking, like, the if scenario. Now it's, okay, he's here. What's going to happen? What sort of dominoes are going to fall? Like, we've been building up for months and months. Well, once Caleb Williams is in the bag, now you're going to see. It, it. And finally, we can stop playing that role of saying, well, you know, you still have to wait for Caleb to make his call before you get a real feel of what's going to go on here. And then we're, we're, what we're going to understand is whether or not he resonated as much as we all thought, because I've said time and time again, on radio, on the pod, that this is the best recruiter I've ever seen because he stretches beyond everything. He stretches beyond his region with the East coast stretches beyond his position group, like the receivers and things of that nature. He goes to the defense and he goes to the names that you thought were pipe dreams to owe you before. Now they're realistic targets just because he's there. Now we're going to learn if there, if there's real truth to that. Or does OU actually end up falling short for all these kids that Caleb was going for? And it turns out, as great as it was to get them, you know, maybe the impact isn't as big as everyone had first hoped.
1: How hard did Lincoln Riley have to work on this recruiting job as far as Caleb Williams goes? I mean, even going back to when Brock Vandergrift decommitted... They only had the two offers out there, and it seemed like the eyes immediately went to Caleb Williams in Oklahoma's pursuit. How tough of a job do you think that Lincoln Riley did? How, he obviously has a lot to sell in the quarterback room. I think everybody knows that. But, you know, kind of deeper inside the recruitment of Caleb Williams, I wonder how much convincing he actually had to do. Or is this going to become the norm for Lincoln Riley? He's going to go out and get the number one quarterback in the country every year. <laughs>
0: I don't know that you can put that sort of expectation on it, but, I mean, I don't think there's any question that whether Oklahoma lands the number one quarterback in the country every year, they're going to get a legit look from the number one quarterback in the country next year. Because, I mean, we can we can already start talking now that Caleb has made his decision to Quinn Ewers in the 2022 class that has a very legitimate chance at uh, Southlake, Carroll, and Dallas to be that guy next year. And most people feel Oklahoma is the clear leader right now. Now, we will have to see... What impact Caleb Williams has on his decision, but there's no question. I mean, I think if all things were equal, Quinn Ewers would probably be headed to Oklahoma. So we'll have to see where things go. But yeah, I, this was a huge job by Lincoln Riley. People, I think people have forgotten, and I remember us talking about it on the podcast how weird it was that with Brock Vandegrift committed, Caleb Williams came out to Oklahoma anyway, took that visit. And I know talking to some people, it, it, made Brock Vandegrift and his family a little uncomfortable. They thought maybe Oklahoma was, you know, recruiting both or thinking about taking two, and that was never the plan. Oklahoma was very solid to Brock Vandegrift, and I think Oklahoma did a great job after the fact, after they lost Brock, of explaining to Caleb, hey, man, we were loyal to our guy. He'd made his choice. We stuck by him. You get on board with us, we're going to be the same way to you. You are our guy. You're the only player we want now. We are focused on you. And I think that's that's how they packaged that and made that okay because that could have gone really badly to the point when they tried to come back where he's like, no, I think I'm good here. So, like I said, they did a really, really good job of just engaging him in the conversation in the way they presented it. I mean, they, they made it very clear why they had done what they had done, and made up ground. Because when, when they lost Brock, I would have given them a 5% chance of landing Caleb Williams, and now they've been the leader for four months now.
2: It's it's interesting you go with the OU direction, because I actually go with the Caleb one. This is a kid that didn't you know get bitter about not being the 1A choice. So if OU takes Brock Van de Grift. He doesn't closed the door he's still open toward what's going on and then when Brock leaves he's not like laughing at OU saying ha 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 you could have had me but you chose to go the other direction and now it's too late so I you know you give credit clearly to what Lincoln Riley and what that staff was able to to do throughout that whole process in terms of massaging egos and keeping a balance But Caleb Williams showing some real long-term perspective to not get all riled up about a short-term decision to where that door was kept open. And after Joe Brady left LSU, it almost became tough to try to figure out another spot that he could land that wasn't. OU. I still would have loved if Joe Brady would have stayed with the Tigers, had Joe Brady versus Lincoln Riley. I think that would have been a recruiting matchup for the for the ages. But once Brady left, and it's like, man, Lincoln Riley has done this right. Caleb kept the open mind. This sounds like it's all going to come together. It's just a matter of time.
1: And it seems like right now that it is kind of going to be the beginning of a trickle-down effect. We've talked about it on the unofficial 40 as far as uh, you know what this month could mean to Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. What is their biggest focus now, as as they start shaping this this group together? It, it kind of feels like it's a it's a closer, tighter knit group now that they have a quarterback. Now that they have kind of a um, I guess a point person as far as the the recruiting class goes in twenty twenty one. What is the biggest focus now, as uh, as they kind of put this class together and it starts taking real transformation here over the next few months?
0: To me, I I think there are several areas you can go because there's other than quarterback. I don't think there's one position where you say, "Yep, Oklahoma's work's done there. They're good." So I mean, there's a lot of variety, but to me, I think you look at the offensive line where some of Oklahoma's biggest names are Bryce Foster, Tristan Lee, you know, you kind of focus on those guys and see what Oklahoma can build around. Caleb and, you know, when Caleb won the Elite 11, two of the first people to congratulate him, Bryce Foster and Tristan Lee. That's not a bad sign. So, we'll we'll see <laughs> how that goes, but I mean, that you you know as a quarterback and being the smart kid that he is, that's where he's going to focus his attention. Um, another is um, you know, really what's going to happen at running back. Who's going to be in the backfield with Caleb Williams in this class? I think we all really like where OU is with Kamar Wheaton. I mean, maybe really like is overstating it, but I think Oklahoma is, as in, is in as good a shape as anybody involved in his recruitment, whether it's SMU, LSU, Texas. I don't see him getting that far. So I think those four are probably the schools that are most realistic in his option list. So we'll have to watch that. And then defensively, I mean, we we talked about Latrell McCutcheon. Can Oklahoma start to lean a little bit on Prophet Brown and say, okay, man, you know, we know we're high on your list. There's been a lot of talk that he's close to a decision. Does Oklahoma say, hey, you know, we need you to get on board or we may have to take another guy and then you won't have a spot? It's going to be interesting to see how numbers play out. You know, and that's what we always talk about. All these things cause chain reactions, you know, not just Caleb Williams jumping on board and then, okay, everybody has, you know, they know where he's going. It's it's scholarship spots. Okay, we only have this many available spots. Well, okay, now Isaiah Coe is clearly kind of part of the class. Well, what do they do with Marcus Burris and Kelvin Gilliam? There, There's a lot of things that depending on how big the next few days are following the 4th, there can be a lot of movement in, in, in a lot of recruitments and it could happen really fast. In my opinion,
2: I guess my biggest question is, is oh, OU start pushing. Do they start leaning on, on kids and saying, you know, you can't make any visits. Dead period stretch through August 31st. I think we're starting to come to grips that perhaps you're going to go an entire recruiting cycle without real official visits and, and things of that nature. So if you know you want to be a Sooner, then let's go ahead and start getting it done. Like There's no reason that OU can't do what, I mean, we sort of laughed about, you know, what Tennessee, what North Carolina, USC, schools like that have done during pandemic. But it's about that time where OU does the same thing. Instead of, like, planting the seeds and, and building the relationship, it's time to start closing. It's time to start making this class as good as we all think it can be. And that's why I'm sort of curious to see if there's any push by OU, and then if there's any blowback in terms of the recruit saying, "Hey, I'm not ready. Don't try to make me go in that direction
1: just yet." Bob, you've been the uh, resident eyeball expert. Uh, <laughs> what do you make of the? I, I guess the new emoji out there is just the O. Have we have we put together what this really means? <laughs> No, we haven't. But
2: there was a one theory that a a, a Twitter follower gave to me like at three in the morning. So this person was really thinking about it. I'm sure that was well thought out is that it's a link in the chain because it's link up twenty one. So the O's are actually links in the chain, because if you go back to when uh, last Monday, when they all happened, which was Latrell McCutcheon, which we can now say it was all the commits that did it because they're the first links in the chain. And they're saying, here comes the next one. But it might be time to say goodbye to the eyes because now the eyes are done. Latrell McCutcheon was March 1st. He, he was those eyes. Caleb Williams was March 22nd. He was those. There are, there's none since that, that point lately. During the last week, it's been the O, been the link, however you want to phrase it. So I think, you know, on, on uh, the Sooner Scoop board, I'm going to have to update the title to the tracking eyes slash link uh thread here because that feels like it's gonna it should become the new thing the curious thing will be is if there's a 2022 kid that ever makes the call is it still the link up chain or does it become something different and i know that's something that only nerds like myself are really curious (laughs) to know how it actually goes how it actually uh plays out josh
1: is that kind of what you're subscribing to as well
0: yeah, I mean, it's what makes sense, and I can tell you um, that it'll be interesting to see when that one kind of comes to light because there is no question that news happened on uh, Thursday night, and to it's impossible not to make that connection. I mean, I, I think Bob's absolutely right, so we'll just have to see. Is that is that the new method, and wh- why did it change? Like I, you know, I, I don't know any of that. That's what's going to be Dunn. interesting.
2: Jansen yeah, Dunn. Like,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, but did Jansen Dunn just like we're like, well, that emoji, we got to put that to bed. Like, I mean, like, I don't know why that is the way it is. Like, maybe they like the O better because clearly that's kind of a representative of Oklahoma. Um, I, I don't know, but that that's going to be interesting to see if if, if that is a permanent staple, and if they've made any changes to it, like, okay, we're going to tweet this out because we know you're going in the next week or we know you're going in the next few days or we know the date that you're, like, if if there are any parameters for it or if it's just the same setup with just a different emoji.
1: Something that we touched on uh, in the scoop on Friday morning was Keon Coleman's situation, and it's kind of a, a curious situation to how this has played out, isn't it?
0: It really is, and you know, and Bob will have to back me on some of this because there is a basketball component to Keon Coleman's decision. He is a guy that wants to play two sports, is from what I understand. Again, Bob could could tell us more. Is a very accomplished basketball player. Is is very good. Um, and that's really why Kansas has made it into his final three, along with Oklahoma and South Carolina. Now. We can say he was a guy that we expected to happen today. You know, we thought that announcement was going to happen on Saturday. And what I was told is that on Thursday and maybe a little earlier in the week, Coleman started to kind of sound alarm bells, like maybe he wanted to pull it back. Maybe he wasn't quite ready to decide. And I just, I don't think Oklahoma was willing to put some other players on the back burner to continue to wait on Coleman. And that's not to say they don't like him. They think he's a very good player. But I think there are other guys they see similarly. And they, like I said, once you get commitments, you can start to really start shaping your class and have a better idea. When you only have a few, there's so many directions it can go in so many places. But if you start having a clear picture then you can go to these other guys and say, hey, we've got one receiver spot left, or we've got one you know, DB spot left. We want you to be that guy, and we're going to give you first chance to say no, but you need to, you know, it's time. Either you're on board or you're not. If you leave that open, then you, you lose all ability because if you try that same argument and then take a, a kid at the same position later, the guy that you strong-armed is going to know that he kind of got ran around, and it could hurt, you know, it could hurt your whole relationship. So, They've got to be careful of stuff like that, but like I said, I, I'm i hearing Kansas, and and I think uh, people are going to be like, Kansas over Oklahoma, you got to take the basketball thing into it. That's a big part of this equation, and I think with a player that is as raw as Keon Coleman is, if his focus isn't almost 100% football, it's tough for me to see him playing at a level that Oklahoma will need him to.
2: Here's what I can't answer. I don't know where Keon Coleman stood or stands in terms of KU basketball. I don't know how, where the value is in terms of what the Jayhawks see in him. I can say for, from OU and talking to the sources Thursday night, they were much more involved and they were way more excited about Nathan Rollins' Kabange and his commitment because of his six seven size Because OU basketball, even if there's been some complaints, guard play usually isn't where it's coming from. And 6'4", I mean, that's a tall receiver. There's no doubt about that. But you put 6'4 on the basketball court, and that's like a run-of-the-mill you know, shooting guard or something of of that nature. And OU hasn't had much issue trying to recruit that position where they have had issues trying to get legitimate guys in the post. So there's no doubt that Nathan – the OU basketball staff really sounds like they pushed hard to try to make sure he was on, on board, where Keon would have felt like a nice add-on, but not exactly a huge necessity. It wasn't someone that they were going to like go, go to war with to try to make it happen. So that's odd that it almost feels like in terms of football and basketball, Keon Coleman was a priority, but maybe not a top-tier one for either sport.
1: Regardless, it would seem like Oklahoma is in a really good position at the wide receiver uh, at wide receiver just for the, the, the facts that are obvious out there. Who wants to come play with Caleb Williams? And they can now say that after today's news. It's uh, it's been a big day, guys, for Oklahoma. Obviously, we uh, have plenty of coverage on Soonerscoop.com. Uh, any lasting thoughts on uh, kind of the fireworks that were for today?
0: Well, you know, for me, I've got two things, and, and obviously just a huge day for Oklahoma. This is, this is the momentum start that we all thought maybe could start back when Mario Williams and Clayton Smith made their announcement. I think now you start to see this. I, I don't think this is the end of big news in July. I think they're going to have some more players jump on board, and you're going to start to see Oklahoma start to roll a little bit like you saw maybe Ohio State in the spring or kind of North Carolina over the last couple months. Uh, it, it may not be all in one day, but I think over the month of July, you're going to see several jump on board. The only other thing I also wanted to say is this is the first podcast we've done since the the news on the board. Uh, just wanted to, you know, express our sadness and the loss of woofie one of our longtime board members, a great, great guy, just loved by everybody. Um, you know, I, I said it yesterday, probably the first time ever on the board I've been kind of brought to tears like just a a good guy that meant a lot to a lot of people and it was it was sad to see him go
1: yeah absolutely and you know i I think that just a a final comment as well from uh, myself as far as wolfie goes i think that it's it's kind of cool not cool in these moments but very appreciative i guess of the community that is the crimson corner as far as i know people like giving each other shit out there uh but to see it kind of come together when uh you know, times are low like they are right now. Uh, it's always a good reminder that it is a community and, uh, you know, we're certainly going to miss him. I, I know that I didn't have the relationship that you and Kerry did uh, with Wolfie uh, and him being as uh, big as part of the board as long as he has been, but uh, it's very apparent that uh, he will be tremendously missed. Gentlemen, it's been, a, uh, it's been a good emergency podcast. Thank you for joining uh, we'll have plenty of coverage here in the, uh, the the remaining days here as we move forward with uh, Oklahoma's 2021 class. But a big one today with the commitment of five-star quarterback uh, Caleb Williams as well as quarterback Latrell McCutcheon. We'll be back on Wednesday for a regular regularly scheduled unofficial 40.